Alhamdulillahi wahda wa salatu wa salamu ala manna nabiya ba'da amma ba'd. Ta'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Maliki yawm al-Din. Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in. Ihdina sirat al-Mustaqim. Sirat al-Nadhin anamta alayhim. Ghayr al-Maghdubi alayhim wa al-Dalin. Amin. And tonight I actually will not talk about Surah Al-Fatiha. Because Surah Al-Fatiha is something that all of us, inshallah, should already have studied and learned about. And we have a couple of talks on this already on our website, islamicspiritualite.org. And this is also something that all of you should have many different resources and scholars and commentaries that you, you can turn to. I'm going to talk very briefly about a few ayat in the first juz of Qur'an al-Kareem that I just made note of today. And because I was having some reflections on them, I thought it would be appropriate to share that with all of you before I move to the main topic, which is the humanity and humility of the Prophet ﷺ through their du'as in Qur'an. And because part of that actually will start already in Surah Baqarah, and I felt that before I turn to the specific du'at of the specific Anbiya in Qur'an, I just wanted to talk generally about Qur'an al-Kareem. Allah SWT in Qur'an al-Kareem, Ajeeb, there, every time you read and recite Qur'an, whether you recite it or whether you study it with translation or commentary or dars, Allah Ta'ala, the Qur'an always opens up to you in new and different and amazing ways. No one can ever tire of Qur'an al-Kareem. No one can ever exhaust even just the translation. No one can exhaust the translation. No one can exhaust the commentary. No one can exhaust feelings that may be inspired by direct recitation of the Arabic. It's the limitless, endless, infinite, eternal kalam. Because this is the first thing you should know about Qur'an. That Qur'an al-Kareem is kalamullah. It is kitabullah, but it is also kalamullah. All the other scriptures were kitabullah, but only and only Qur'an in its preserved form in Allahul Mahfuz. There was no other scripture that was imprinted on Allahul Mahfuz except for Qur'an al-Kareem. It is the sifat. Kalam means it is the sifat, the attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-mutakallim. That being who has uttered and expressed his kalam. And that expression of that kalam and that kalam itself is Qur'an al-Kareem. So when we recite Qur'an, we're actually reciting Allah Ta'ala's kalam, Allah Ta'ala's eternal, pre-eternal, everlasting, immaculate, pure, pristine kalam. Allahu Akbar Kabira. And this is Allah Ta'ala's mercy that He chose to address that kalam to us. We are the addressees. We are the mukhatib. We are the addressee of Qur'an al-Kareem. Allahu Akbar Kabira. And then Qur'an in Arabiya. And this is going to come now when, a little bit later when we talk about the du'a and we talk about Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam. It's an Arabic Qur'an. So just, you know, obviously every verse of Qur'an al-Kareem is amazing and important but because that would take me three, four hours where I to try to comment on the whole juz. I'm just going to highlight a couple of verses here tonight. So verse number 26. So I'm doing Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah number 2. The first juz of Qur'an, verse number 26. The ending part of it. So this is the verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had earlier been talking, that Allah subhanahu had earlier been mentioning, uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, can set forth any example, even if it is apparently as paltry or as, as, as insignificant as a mosquito. But at the end, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says something very important. What? يُذِلُّ bihi kathira wa yahdi bihi kathira. So just the coining of the examples in the Qur'an 
and some have taken it more broadly to mean generally Allah Ta'ala's style of expressions, Allah Ta'ala's phrasings in the Quran. Many may even be misguided by it. They will be, Allah Ta'ala will let them go astray. So I want to explain this concept of dhilala. So yudhillu means that a person on their own will choose to privilege their own personal, mere personal opinion, understanding of Quran, or they will privilege some non-Islamic epistemology and try to understand the Quran in a postmodernist, feminist, secular, progressive, etc., etc. way. And if they choose that path, then Allah Ta'ala yudhillu bihi kathira, He will let them drift and wander away and away from the real meaning of Qur'an. وَيَحْدِ bihi kathira, And at the same time, Allah Ta'ala, from the same verses of Qur'an, the same parables, the same examples, Allah Ta'ala will also guide many people by means of which, so ba'az, what we call for sababir, by means of those very same passages of Qur'an al-Karim. So the big question all of us would have is, well, well, how do we make sure we're amongst the people who are guided by Qur'an and we're not the people who somehow approach the Qur'an maybe with some incorrect interpretive lens and we end up wandering astray? So Allah Ta'ala then immediately, as part of this ayah and then the ending of this ayah, so again, verse 26 in Surah Baqarah, Surah number 2, Allah Ta'ala explains, وَمَا يُذِلُّ بِهِ إِلَّا الْفَاسِقِينَ that Allah Ta'ala will not let anyone go astray by means of Qur'an, illa except al-fasikeen. So al-fasikeen are those who commit fisk. Fisk means open, defiant disobedience and rebellion willfully with full knowledge of a commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now go back to the start of Surah Baqarah, what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? So the huda, the hidayah, the guidance comes from the people of taqwa, and those who will be left to go astray will be the people of Fisk. So actually we realize here again it's all about the identity of being a slave. It's not about how intelligent you are. It's not about how brilliant your Arabic is. It's not how well schooled you are in classical Islamic disciplines of learning. All of those play a role no doubt in the knowledge and the intellectual understanding of Quran. But whether we will be guided by Quran and this is a word that keeps coming in Quran, Muhtadun from Ihtida, those who are guided by the guidance. Whether we are guided by the guidance or that knowledge, erudition, language, linguistics may end up just letting us drift and wander astray, that is determined, determined by two things, taqwa and fisk. So you have to read that earlier and that all of you would remember from the very first ruku of Quran al-Kareem, right? Hudallil muttaqeen. And so it, it's an interesting thing. And you know, many times, you know, because we don't have a long view of Quran, because we're not literate, we don't have Quranic literacy. And this will happen when we read it more and more. So the best of us, maybe we can understand a verse in light of the two, three verses past it. But actually you have to understand the verses. Sometimes there are things that come much later in the surah. Sometimes you have to understand the whole surah holistically. Then there's sometimes things in a surah that are covered in the surahs near it and after it. Then there's something in the surah that are highlighted to give a nuance. If you go several surahs forward or several surahs back, or basically then you have to understand the entire Quran al-Karim holistically and thematically. So if you look in the beginning, so this is the, the second verse, verse 2 of surah number 2, And then here you have, again, so this is one ayah I wanted to talk about. 
There's a couple of other verses here that are about Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam. I'm going to return to them because that's going to be our major topic tonight. Because Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam will be the first of the Anbiya, is the first of the Anbiya and the first Prophet alayhi salam that we're going to be looking at their du'as and trying to understand this concept of humanity and humility. But before I, you know, turn to those ayat, I just wanted to mention a few other uh, very special verses that come in this first juz. So if you look at uh, verse number 78. So and amongst those, now this is for uh, certain categories of disbelievers who are from the Ahli Kitab, but it's a lesson for us, and I wanted to explain that. That from amongst those are ummiyun. Ummiyun means that they're ummi, they're illiterate, they're unlettered, they're unschooled. La ya'lamun al-kitaba. They don't know anything at all about the scriptural revelation that was revealed to them. Illa amaniya, Except their own wishful thinking and whims and fancies. Wa inhum illa yadhunun. And in fact, uh, they do nothing else except they do dhan, they just guess, they just speculate. And I was reflecting on this and I wanted to also explain this generally because I know in Surah Baqarah there's a lot of discussion about the Ahl Kitab. And so what you have to know is that Allah SWT mentions these things in the Quran not only just for historical uh, relevance. It's not just because he's addressing the Jews and Christians of Makkah, Makkah, Madinah, Manawar and inviting them to Iman. It's actually also, and perhaps in some sense, first and foremost, an address to the believers that don't fall into the same mistakes that those communities before you who did receive a kitab, a scripture revelation, did receive a nabi, a prophet, fell into. And so one of the faults that Allah Ta'ala is mentioning here, Surah Baqarah, Surah 2, verse 78, is that among them they were ones who were ummi when it came to their kitab. Means they were illiterate when it comes to Quran al Karim, illiterate when it came to their scripture. And the way the Alladina Amanu could make this mistake is if there are any of us who are illiterate when it comes to Quran. Illiterate could mean literally we can't read it, but I would suggest this concept which I, I've spoken about before, some of you may have heard me speak about that Quranic literacy. Quranic literacy is, yes, having a fluency or near fluency in your ability to recite the Arabic asal original of Quran. But Quranic literacy also means that you you repeatedly understand the meaning through translation, commentary, scholastic learning, etc. Such that you are well versed in the overall meanings of Quran. And that is something that a lot of us lack. Alright? And this is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about in the Quran. But this is something that happened and plagued the earlier Ahl Kitab. Then I think that verses, uh, verse 83 is very important. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there mentions, and I won't be able to, again, talk about it so much tonight, uh, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions a list of things in which he took a covenant from the Bani Israel. With akhadna mithaka Bani Israela. And Allah ta'ala says, and remember when? When Allah ta'ala says, akhadna, literally, people, you know, they translate as we. So I also want to explain this to you, that, Sometimes people in English are called the royal we. Allah SWT is not plural. The Quranic God concept is singular. Allah Ta'ala is not male. The Quranic, Quran God, the Quranic God concept, Allah SWT is genderless. He transcends any and all notions of masculine and feminine. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is timeless. He's beyond spatiality, right? So when Allah ta'ala uses this grammatical form of we, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is trying to express to us is, and many times Allah uses the word I, right? When Allah ta'ala uses this grammatical form of we, it means that Allah ta'ala is saying, so the best way I could explain to you in English would be as if Allah ta'ala is saying, I, Allah, in my essence, my zat, my intrinsic being, and in all of my attributes, my might and power and knowledge and mercy and all of my infinite attributes, which many which mean you don't even know. So I, Allah Ta'ala, in my essence, and as if Allah Ta'ala is saying in Quran, I, Allah Ta'ala, in my essence, in my being, in my nature, in my essential nature, and with all of my attributes and all of my characteristics and all of my actions. Akhadna took mithaka Bani Israela, took a covenant from the descendants, or, you know, the simple, well, I'll just use the biblical term, the children of Israel, right? On what? And this is interesting. Because this is going to show us also a common concept of humanity. This, the, these, these common things that are coming in Quran, where Allah Ta'ala is mentioning that Allah Ta'ala is going to take this pledge, or the prophets, earlier prophets have taught these things from the Jews and the Christians and Muslims. This is our understanding of what humanity is. right? And this is the humanism. This is the Quranic humanism, which is the antidote to secular humanism. And sometimes you will even realize that secular humanism has overlap with Quranic humanism. And sometimes secular humanism is the antithesis of Quranic humanism. So what? La ta'buduna illallah. So the first thing is tawheed. That you will not worship anything, any concept, any being, any idol, any statue, any notion, any rival. Illallah except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All right, that's something all of us should understand by now, right? I will not go into a long lecture on Tawheed, but it's showing this essential monotheistic, that all true religion is monotheistic at its core. A human being has been designed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to naturally be inclined towards monotheism. And that is why many, many Christians even openly confess their sort of, you know, dilemma with the concept of trinity and then many clergy from the christian community engage in a lot of gymnastics and acrobatics uh, to try to explain the trinity it's because it's going counter to their innate human spirituality which is to heed which is that the supreme being the master the ilah our god allah he is the one god second thing and this is an amazing thing. The very next thing that comes after Tawheed, it's not the Anbiya. Okay, this is what we would have thought. That okay, the first thing is about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second thing will be about the Anbiya. And then Allah ta'ala will go out and say, oh, why did you kill the prophets? Right? If those of you are familiar with the rest of Surah Baqarah. No, the second thing what? That with your two parents, you must have Ahsan. Absolute virtuous, absolute nobility, absolute excellence in your demeanor, your manner, your treatment, your behavior, your interaction with them. Allahu Akbar Kabira. I mean, this is an incredible. Uh, and so it literally, first and foremost, means parents. 
and generally then it also explains the you know importance of family the importance of community because the family is the first unit of community in other words this is also a, a teaching of humanity everything in here is about what is the chronic understanding of humanity so the first aspect of humanity is that we submit to one god the first aspect of humanity is that we obey one god the first aspect of humanity is that we do ibadah we worship one god the second aspect of humanity is that we are extreme ihsan is the highest the extremely highest virtuous form of behavior and character and we will strive for that bil walidain in our first unit of community which is our family which is our parents but by extrapolation that is the model so tawhid and ihsan tawhid in terms of an ibadah and ubudiyah in terms of khaliq the creator and ihsan in terms of makhluk wa dhil qurba and along with the two parents and with the relatives okay then now what's the community concept spread wal yatama now that's not your family the wal qurba means your blood relatives wal yatama means orphans but it also means orphans who are not part of your family so your parents all of your relatives and blood relations so expanding the family unit and that to be human means to be care about others to be human means to have ihsan everything is connected here by the way it's called ataf in arabic grammar to ihsan the same word that allah taala used for the parents is being used for relatives and for orphans wal masakini and for the miskin for the needy now you there are these two words that come in quran and this you know it is talked about a lot when we talk about zakat fuqara and masakin so sometimes people translate both as poor they both mean poor but miskin in english is one level even lower but the more poor you can call destitute miskin means a person who is trapped and surrounded by poverty so i think in english if you want to use a fancy term we'd say the destitute and you know how many people there are who fall in this category not just today but throughout the history of humanity there's always been large i mean today it's probably a billion or hundreds of millions at least for sure so that's the extension to have ihsan the same ihsan virtuous behavior that one has with parents when relatives must have with orphans and all the destitute and poor and needy waqulu linnas and now comes the word waqulu and each and every one of you so here allah taala is originally taking that mithaq that pledge and covenant from the bani israel but now it's in quran and so allah taala is also teaching us this is the way we're supposed to be waqulu linnasi and the way you should speak and talk and deal and interact linnas with every single individual member of the human race husna there you had ihsan here you have husn husna in the most beautiful manner allahu akbar kabira wa aqimus salah and now comes wa aqimus salah you should establish the salah wa atuz zakah pay zakah right pay charity thummatu wal laytum khair this is what i wanted to show but then it you know 
as is a recurring theme in Surah Bakra, Allah Subhanahu mentions the guidance He sent on the Ahl Kitab, on the Bani Israel, and then the manner and form in which they left and they spurned that guidance. One thing I want to pluck out from verse number 85. Verse number 85, Allah Ta'ala asks them this question. Again, for us to think about as believers, how many of us have fallen in this practice? So, are you going to believe in parts of the scriptural revelation? And are you going to deny other parts of it? In other words, so for us that would mean that do we practice parts of Quran and do we leave other parts of Quran? Do we believe in parts of Quran and do we sort of rationalize or explain or modernize other parts of Quran? And again, this is there not just for the historical record, but this is there because there's a great danger that we may fall into the same pitfall and trap that the early members of the community did. So that's also uh, early members of humanity did. This is humanity, right? These are, these are our fellow humans, the Bani Israel, the Jews, the Christians. And this is a blessing from Allah Ta'ala that He's guiding us. And by the way, I'm not talking about contemporary. I should make that very clear. Whenever we are talking in Quran about Jews and Christians, we're talking about historical communities. The historical communities that are being referred to in the Quran. Present-day Jews and Christians, and even you know Jews and Christians a thousand years ago, are in many ways different from the historical communities being mentioned and described in the Quran al-Karim. But that's another, uh, you know, that's a very long, detailed discussion. Okay, another thing I wanted to highlight, verse number ninety-seven, when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala beautifully explains in a very important concept of revelation. فَإِنَّهُ نَزَّلَهُ عَلَىٰ قَلْبِكَ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ That the angel Jibreel, he brought it, it means he brought the scriptural revelation, Wahi Kitab Qur'an, عَلَىٰ قَلْبِكَ Upon your spiritual heart. Your means, Allah Ta'ala is addressing Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So yes, there, the angel Jibreel also recited Kalamullah to, to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But even more than that, even more than the nutq and sima'ah, even more than the vocal recitation and the oral listening of the words of Qur'an al-Kareem, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the medium of the angel Jibreel revealed Qur'an, sent Qur'an down upon the spiritual heart of Sayyidina Rasulullah It means his qalb, his heart was Qur'an. So one is our mushaf, of Musaf means in Arabic copy. One is our copy of Quran. So I have uh, three, four in front of me right now, right? The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wa alaihi wasallam's qalb, his spiritual heart, was a Musaf. Was the first Musaf. So you can say it was first Quran was revealed on Allahul Mahfuz, and then second it was revealed on the qalb, the spiritual heart of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So what does it mean for us? That means for us it's not just about this month of Ramadan, it's not just about reciting with our tongue or listening with our ear. That's, those are the gateways to the heart. And we will truly be an ummati, muttabayun. We will truly be from the spiritual community and followers of Sayyidina Rasulullah when? When we also try to have the Quranic feelings in our heart, the Quranic attributes in our heart. We try to have the Quranic character in our heart, the Quranic love for Allah Subhanahu in our heart. And this is, a, if nothing else, this is a dua that we can make, uh, we must make to Allah Subhanahu in this month of Ramadan. 
I will just mention to you a verse 102 uh, talks about magic. Uh, and again, if I you know start talking about this, it may take again a long time. But I would just say this, that before anyone ever, ever thinks about uh, is there a concept of magic or has magic been done on me or what am I supposed to do? They should read this verse and understand it and try to uh, learn it from the scholars or the scholastic commentaries. But I will highlight one aspect of this verse. وَمَا هُمْ بِذَارِينَ بِهِ مِنْ أَحَدٍ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ That they will not, any magic practitioner, will not be able ever, ever to harm anyone at all by means of any magic they may practice or teach or learn إِلَّا except بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ Except if Allah Ta'ala allows the even the permission of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. So that means then that any time, even let's say the 0.0001% of cases where it actually is magic, as a, you know, somebody, black magic, as opposed to the 99.99999% of suspected cases of magic where it's actually just part of life, that there are setbacks and failures and difficulties, or maybe it's some type of psychosis. Right, but even the point zero 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 one percent where it is actually black magic that's been done on someone, if that had an effect on you, it would only have an effect if Allah allowed it to have an effect. So therefore, all you have to do is turn to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, so He may remove the effect, or rather, you can even say using this Quranic term, He may remove His idhan for that act of black magic to have an effect on you. And this is why the way of the awliyaullah, the sadiqeen, siddiqeen, muttaqeen, was to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yaqeen in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, tawakkal upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through dua, through tawbah, through istighfar, through becoming more worshipful, better servants and slaves. And then Allah ta'ala would lift uh, any and all effects and traces of these things on them. Alright? Verse 105, Wallahu yakhtasu bi rahmatihi man yasha. Here it specifically means that Allah Ta'ala is saying that He can select whomsoever He wants to bestow with the honor of Nabuwa and prophethood. And obviously Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala selected Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam for that. And there were some members of earlier communities who did believe and love earlier prophets who were upset about that. But it's a general teaching as well. And then, so if we ever find that Allah Ta'ala has blessed someone or endowed someone, we should realize this is Allah Ta'ala's choice. He can bless whomsoever He wants. But then Allah Ta'ala ends the ayah beautifully, Wallahu dhu fadlil azim. And Allah Ta'ala is the being of azim fadl. He is the possessor of tremendous, majestic, great bounty and grace. So if Allah Ta'ala selected someone out of His mercy to bestow upon them something, Allah Ta'ala's treasures are not limited. And Allah Ta'ala could also bless you with the same thing or more if you turn to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala in obedience and in worship. Alright? Another very important verse in the first two that we did tonight is uh, verse 108. Again, for those of you who joined, uh, every night I will be talking about, inshallah, the topic, which is the humanity and humility of the Prophet through the du'as and Qur'an. Uh, but every night I may do one or two bonuses. And I did one bonus at the start, which was a short Ramadan Nasiha. And the second was because I was reflecting on this just myself and I made some notes and I thought I would share it with you because the story of Nabi Adam is also going to begin in Surah Baqarah 
and he's going to obviously be the first Nabi that we talk about tonight. Uh, so I wanted to talk a bit about this juz. All right? Uh, so, verse 108. Very important ayah of Quran al-Kareem. Every ayah is important. Am turiduna antas'alu rasulakum kama su'ila Musa min qabl do you intend, so this is an address to the believers, and don't think Surah Baqarah is just about the Banu Israel. Allah Ta'ala keeps interspersing verses addressing us directly. And I've already shown you the whole thing is actually an address to us. That do you believers, Ummah of the Prophet do you actually intend that you will ask your Rasul, yani your Messenger, yani Sayyidina Rasulullah in the same manner as the Prophet Musa was asked in the past, Allah Akbar Kabira, because those of you again who are, have chronic literacy and are familiar with Surah Baqarah, the Bani Israel, they really, really question, right? Nabi Musa, those of you who read it, hmm? but look at this in the middle, this is the whole, this is the line for us, this is the lens through which we should understand all of Surah Baqarah. Hmm? And so if we were to ever have the time with all of you to do that, I did that once upon a time, and that is also there on the website. We have the, the seer of all of Surah Baqarah there on the website. Uh, this is something we tried to do uh, when we look at that. Uh, look at the different stories and questions that the Bani Israel asked Nabi Musa alayhi All right? Okay, verse 109. This is very important. Uh, because, again, this is something I would tell you, that this is Allah SWT describing... The state of the historical Jewish and Christian communities at that time and their approach and their attitude towards the Prophet Muhammad and his Sahabah's companions. This is not necessarily the attitude and approach of Jews and Christians today to Muslims today. All right? Uh, and it's a very delicate thing to what extent to universalize the Quran, to what extent to historicize the Quran. It's never absolutely one or the other. You have to take both of these sort of, you know, ranges in tandem. Uh, so I, I do, I'll just summarize this for you. Uh, but in verse 109, Allah is basically saying uh, that, you know, they wish for you to return to your disbelief. All right. Uh, but what I wanted, the point I wanted to show you was the way Allah Taala ends. Right. Because that's not a nice thing. That if you have accepted Iman, you have accepted the Prophet and you think, okay, well now in the book that I believe in, that is being recited to me by the Prophet I believe in, Jewish and Christian communities are being mentioned and their prophets are mentioned. So you're starting to feel, I'm, I'm, having you, I'm trying to imagine what it would be like to be a companion of the Prophet you're trying to feel, You're starting to feel an empathy and camaraderie and sense of community. But these people are showing you hostility. And they actually... You know, so you don't, you may not feel happy about that. So, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? What should you do? Right? So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Fa'fu, afu. You should pardon them. You should forgive them. Wasfahu. And just overlook these things. Hatta yati Allahu bi amrihi. And wait until Allah ta'ala brings his command, brings his decision. So, it means that don't. You know, try to resolve and settle decisively every disagreement and dispute. Fa'fu. Be pardoning and forgiving. And overlook that. 
And look, yes, if you can't reconcile it in this world, well, there it means that Allah Ta'ala, because the original Quranic uh, historical uh, moment of revelation, it meant that Allah Ta'ala will create such circumstances in the lifetime of the Prophet Sallallahu which will make it clear that Deen of Islam is Haq. For us, me and you, it would mean that, okay, we will pardon and forgive. We will overlook uh, any and every hostility and enmity they may have towards us. And again, they're not there are only very few members of them today that may have this hostile enmity. And we'll wait until the Day of Judgment. Uh, and we're not saying that in a gleeful sense or arrogant sense. Uh, we're saying that, okay, there's only, if these things can't get resolved in this life, they can be resolved in the next life. In Allah, Allah, kulli shay'in kudir. All right? Uh, because I want to uh, get started on the story of Sayyidina Adam, So in a similar vein, I would just have you understand verse 120. All right? Uh, and verse 121 uh, 120 it's also about the Jews and Christians and our relationship with them or rather their relationship with us and verse 121 <laughs> so then there are some people also in the previous Jewish and Christian historical communities whom Allah Ta'ala praises in Surah Baqarah and that's often lost because uh, people gloss over those verses and the, the, the things that Allah SWT is praising them for are praiseworthy attributes that you and me and the believers should try to adopt. And one of the praising attributes, and some of them was what? That those upon whom, to whom we have bestowed the scriptural revelation, Al-Kitab, the book, they recite it. They recite it as is its right, as befits it, as it is worthy as it is due. And that's the type of level of tilawa, a recitation of Qur'an al-Kareem, that me and you should want to try to aspire to. Alright? And those are the people who truly believe in it. So actually what it means, what Iman bil Qur'an, you say, I believe in Qur'an. If you really, truly believe in Qur'an, you will recite it, you will recite it as it has its right upon you. And that is something, alhamdulillah, that all of us become better at in the month of Ramadan. And really we should try to recite the entire Qur'an once in Ramadan, listen to the entire Qur'an once in Ramadan, normally behind praying an imam in taraweeh, and trying to understand the Qur'an at least once in Ramadan. So that's, this is what I wanted to show you a little bit tonight uh, to get us started, right? Uh, there are some things about Ibrahim alayhi salam that I will cover when we reach him in our series uh, when we do his, his du'as, uh, then verse 138, another very important verse from this first juz. Simgatullah, man ahsanu min Allahi simga. This is one of the most, you know, interesting and fascinating uh, verses of Quran al-Karim. What is this? So, I mean, you know, uh, technically speaking, literally speaking, simga means die. Or some will sort of translate it as color. And, you know, and both of these words are correct, uh, but it, it just doesn't do justice to the Arabic, you know, uh, dye or color. Um, you know, uh, it's, it, you can really say it's about an infusion. So it's more about, see, what you should think about more is the dyeing process. So, what is the dyeing process? So, let's say it's cloth, right? So, you take a cloth. And you submerge it in the dye. You infuse the dye. 
into every single thread, or let's, you know, be scientific about it, every single molecule and atom of that cloth. That's what this means, right? So what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying is Simgatullah. It means that we want that our being should be entirely permeated, infused, deep, every right down to the very core of our essence, of our being, our ruh, our soul, our qalb, our spiritual heart. Everything about us should be just imbued with Qur'an, imbued with our ta'luk, our connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our feeling for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, We just want that all of this kalamullah, all of Allah ta'ala's address to us, all of Allah ta'ala's hidayah, guidance upon us, all of Allah ta'ala's commandments for us, all of Allah ta'ala's irada, His intention and wish for us, everything about our relationship with Him, it should just permeate us and deeply, you know, infusion I think would be the best word, right? That's the simga. And this is referring to Allah Ta'ala's hidayah. You know, so just imagine that, you know, if, some, if somebody gets affected by some ideology, we say, oh, they've been taken over by that ideology. Or that ideology has permeated their whole existence. So we're saying, no, 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 what we want is sibgatullah. وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ مِنَ اللَّهِ سِبْغَةً hmm? Who can be better, more ahsan, more beautiful, more noble, more excellent than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at sibga, at infusing some reality into a person? So the greatest hakika and reality is that which comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah ta'ala, you can imagine, like in his aspect of al-hadi, in terms of his guidance, he is the greatest at infusing this in. So the feeling we should get when we recite this ayah is we just want to drown. We just want to drown and submerge ourselves deep in deen. We just want deen to overwhelm us. We want to be overwhelmed by deen. And we just, this is submission. Submission in our deen, when we say we're abd, we're slave, it's an act of love, it's an act of joy, it's an act of ecstasy to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to be drowned and drenched in the simga. So, so now I think you understand why the word color and die uh, doesn't make sense. I mean, it, it makes sense, but it's just, just, just the translation is not enough. You must understand Quran through tafsir, through explanation. All right. Uh, here, another important. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry. I've actually, yeah, that was it for. Uh, so these are, if you will, some, uh, you know, small nuggets from the first juz of Quran al-Karim.